Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to uh, the Ribbon Book Club, a Dear America podcast. I, I am... completely almost cut you off and said this podcast is haunted. Yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> you keep doing that. Not my uh, best work, bro. My name is Jen. I'm Kate Reed, and we're here to talk. We're talk. We're here to talk. Well, we're here to. T- <laughs> we're doing so good. We talk good. We talk good. We might be stepping on each other a little bit more than usual today because we are recording remotely. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I can't see your face, but I can hear you. It's can like old me? times. Good. That's I, just taking us back to uh, when you were in New York. Yeah. Good memories of bad times for yeah, me rough, personally. <laughs> rough times, great numbers. Uh, but... We're here. We're in our separate houses. I have turned the AC window unit off, so it's just a countdown to me being a puddle of sweat. Um, and I have a cat on my lap, so everything's fine. Every time we record, we start in the most comfortable possible room and just let it stop being comfortable. So it's always <laughs> like a race to either hypothermia or dehydration, yeah. overheating. Yeah. This is the real reason why we take summers off. Yeah. Um, God, can you imagine? Yeah, it's it's real bad. I was just in San Francisco over the weekend, and it was beautiful and mid-60s there. I was wearing my cute little puffer jacket, trying to fit in with all the other cool Silicon Valley, Bay Area, rich people. And uh, I came back here, and it was like 80 degrees at 10 p.m. And I was like, what is this? A swamp, yes. Welcome it's to the Midwest. Truly a swamp. It's a swamp <laughs> everywhere, including my butt. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. is so sweaty. Um, yeah. It is It is really, really, really hot and dry in Michigan right now. Like, it feels like the middle of summer. Yeah. And I super duper hate it. Um, which kind of transitions us right to the opening page of this Speaking book. Speaking of being hot and miserable, let's yeah. discuss. Let's discuss slavery. Um, so this so, book... You want to introduce the book? I would love to, yes, because I'm super psyched about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we are on our fourth Dear America book, A Picture of Freedom, mm-hmm. The Diary of Cloty, a Slave Girl at Belmont, Belmont Plantation, Virginia, 1859. That we are. That we are. Um, this book was written by Patricia McKissick. Who is uh, a champion. A cha- uh, yeah, uh, I'm a fan. Um, it was published in 1997, I believe. Um, I'm trying to pull up the For our young readers, other things that happened in 1997. Oh. The movie Titanic. I think we've discussed this. This is a, yeah, this yeah, is it's a great year for us. Red letter year. Spice Girls Spice, the album. Mm. Uh, the song Wannabe was like the song of the year. Uh, everybody had inflatable furniture and phones that and like computers that were made out of clear plastic Did so you, you could see the innards. Phones? Inflatable furniture is what I tried to say. Oh, I think that's pro- maybe I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> you know, I also had a stroke, so anything's possible. Um, yeah, 1997. Great year. Um, this book, I think, is going to be my favorite of those we've read so far. And one of my favorite things about it is that the author uses a more mature voice. Mm-hmm. Um, it still feels plausible to being that of a little 12-year-old girl. However, as such, she intersperses 
nuggets of wisdom, pieces of poetry, like like she has these original thoughts that feel quite poetic. Like the second sentence of this book, starting on page three, um, the first sentence is, the spring blooms are coming and the sky is a sure blue. And then March never knows if it wants to be a spring month or a winter month. Mm, mm-hmm. So right away, second sentence of the book, I knew that we were in for something that was more developed, more mature. Um, the former book was, um, the girl felt more like a seven-year-old than a 15-year-old. Yeah, it's it interesting. it lacked those insights. She was an older character. I think the Emma was 14 and Clotie is 12. And yeah, there's just like way more. Uh, it, it's the the text is a lot more evocative and has a lot more character. I feel. Yes, um, I absolute character is perfect. Um, she does rely a great deal on brogue, like a characterization of voice. Um, yeah. I don't. It's not called brogue, but I'm going to call it brogue because you know you what I'm talking about. You could call it an early version of AAVE or. Um, which is stands for African American Vernacular English. Um, that is the official linguistic term for um, African American slang, uh, which has been uh, criticized for its entire history for not being proper English, and it's just a separate dialect of English. And so, I think she's using um, a version of that to kind of. Uh, I think she's also creating a very Southern accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can read it in, you can feel the, you can almost hear the verbalization of it as you're Absolutely. reading. It's, it's all... like the book Duck Feet, which our friends uh, oh, published, yeah. uh, which is written in Scots. Scots is a dialect of English, um, but it's mm-hmm. written in such a way that you can really hear while reading what mm-hmm. this sounds like spoken aloud. Yeah, so there's a lot of um, apostrophes at the end of words and, and kind Common. of clipping, clipping the end of it. So, yeah, you're saying yeah. um, Mass William instead of Master William and Ms. Lily instead of Mistress Lily. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, which, yeah, to get into it right away, this is a story of an enslaved girl who lives on a plantation and she works in the big house. And so she talks a lot about uh, her master and mistress and uh, how much she doesn't like them and how terrible they are. You know, it's not even <laughs> how much she doesn't like them. It's just how poorly she thinks they conduct themselves. And mm. she's correct. Mm-hmm. These people are low. Yeah. In, like, a lot of ways. Like, Mm -hmm. it's bad enough to hold humans as slaves. Mm -hmm. However, on top of that, these people Mm -hmm. also hate each other. They're just mean, nasty people. This is a far cry from the the genteel southern aristocracy that is portrayed in... um, in the in Emma's Previous story, yeah. where you know her family just her her papa just knows how to treat them and Ugh. and he's kind but has a, a firm hand. Whereas Ugh. this one, this guy is just outright terrible, right. and in a way that is like also 
like vulgar (laughs) and also very like relatable like i feel like i went to high school with guys like this oh yeah you know like i know these men Mm -hmm. i have met them i have avoided them Mm -hmm. um so in these first pages she really gets to the crux of what's going to shape her life here with throughout this uh diary Mm -hmm. Um, and that is that she a human being who is enslaved Mm -hmm. has secretly taught herself to read and and write write. yeah which Which is a very 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 big deal yeah um and on the second page page four the second yeah turn the well it describes on the first page um like it, it introduces like oh it's hot um and so uh the young son of the plantation, Master William, or Mass William, uh, requires fanning um, during his lessons. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I bet it is pretty hot. <laughs> but, yeah, they require an entire human being to fan him um, while, while they're studying. Um, but she says, I don't mind one bit, because while William's learning, so am I. Um, and, she, and she has this very beautiful way of describing it stand in there fanning up and down up and down i come to know my abcs and the sounds the letters make and uh, yeah it's just it's she uses more descriptors than like strictly necessary and it's yes. very very good anyway evocative is exactly the word when mm-hmm. i couldn't and not enunciate i couldn't put my finger on it exactly and you just brought it right out Um, But here she starts talking about why this is dangerous for her. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not typical that enslaved humans would have been taught how to read and write because it was against the law. Mm -hmm. Um, Slaves ain't supposed to know how to read and write, but I do. Ms. Lily would fall down in a fit if she knew I had made myself a diary like the one she's got on her bedside table. Mm -hmm. It don't matter to me. That hers is all wrapped in fine satin and it got ribbons and beads on it. And mine is just made up of papers I found in the trash and keeps tied together with a measure of yawn. Yarn. Sorry, that was me being tired. Um, (laughs) Yawn. (laughs) Right? Just a Freudian slip there. It's a diary just the same. Mine. And I aim to write in it whenever I get a chance. And then here comes a secondary part of her problem Mm. i've got to be real particular and make sure nobody finds out though because if my master finds out i would fall under the whip time and time again i done heard master henley swear that if he catch if he catches his slaves with learning he'll beat the skin off of us then sell our hides to slavers from the deep south he's got the law on his side too anybody found teaching a slave in the state of virginia can be sent to jail sure Wonder why the white folks is so determined to keep us from knowing things. What are they scared of? Dun, dun, dun. Literally well, page four. The second page of yeah. reading this diary, mm-hmm. she has said the quiet part out loud in a very <laughs> extreme way. She's also put in a great deal of detail about how casual the violence of this is. Mm-hmm. Right, like time and time again, I heard somebody who is my employer, for back of a lack of a better term, <laughs> swear that he will 
beat somebody to death and then sell their skins to other people. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, there's a lot of detail in this book that, at 110 pages in, has made me a little queasy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. It's it's exactly the opposite of the previous book, where it just refuses to romanticize any part of this system. Um, they're even down to... Uh, just like the nice things that they own. She doesn't really get taken in by that. Um, and she's in fact, yeah. she kind of makes fun of people who do. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And what are they scared of? Uh, well, Chloe, I'm, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> they are in fact scared of you. Um, it, because that's, we, we've kind of like discussed it in, in with the previous book, but yeah, there was a real fear um, of uh, slave uprisings and revolts in that time. And it like there was already, I mean, slavery had been around for over 100 years at this point um, on this continent. And there had been a handful of revolts and uh, they knew that the any way that uh, these people could organize and disseminate information was um, a potential way for them to rise up <laughs> against the the minority group of people who had all the power. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And please, you know, also remember that if we can read and write, we can keep track of contracts. We can mm-hmm. keep track of the law. You can read the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, you can organize and pass secret messages to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very dangerous to have, if you are in a position of power, which cannot be held with everybody, power is only important if it's held with a few people. The fewer, the better. Mm. And so... Today, that same problem holds true. Mm-hmm. We There is an active effort in this country and other countries around the world to limit educational opportunity for people by defunding schools, criticizing teachers, uh, attacking libraries. And the reason that they are doing that is because an educated population is a population that is not easily taken in. It is a population that can organize and rise up, communicate effectively at the court system. Uh, So if you are in your community, no matter how old you are, and you're being told, I don't want you to read that. I don't want you to know about that. I don't want your teacher to teach that. I want you to ask why. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? What are they so scared of? Why are they so determined to keep us from knowing things? Yeah, yeah, being afraid or anti-education. Like, it's fine. Not everyone needs to go to college. Trade school's perfectly fine and wonderful. Everyone has different talents. But if someone is telling you, no, you can't learn this thing, ask yourself why. (laughs) Yeah, big red flag. Uh, Yeah. So, anyway, we we just get a hint of how clever uh, Cloty is for having learned how to read from basically looking over the shoulder of the young boy who is, well, the boy who's the same age as her, but uh, she says, 
I can't help but laugh a little bit when I think of what Mass Henley would think if he knew that I could read better than his boy and that he was his own wife that had teached me. So you just get a, like, she's clever and she knows it. And, uh, yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, terribly witty. Mm -hmm. Um, On the next page, she gets into something very romantic that also hints at the title of the book. Mm -hmm. Um, She has this secret that she can read and write. And she says, I want to tell somebody about all the things I've done learned for the past three years. Words got magic. Every time I read or write a word, it puts a picture in my head. So she's going to go forward and she gives some examples like the word home and she'll write out H-O-M-E and then it puts a picture that is complicated and has depth. And I think that's part of what makes her such a fantastic authorial voice. Uh, she ha- She's painting these pictures for us using the words that she knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but the book is called A Picture of Freedom, and that is something that she is pursuing well, throughout the yeah, book. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, I, I like that part about home, too, because it also sketches out some of the main characters that we'll be dealing with for the rest of the book. Um, so... She's, she writes, you know, when I write H-O-M-E, I seize Belmont Plantation and all the people that live here. I seize the big house where Mass Henley, Ms. Lily, and William stay living easy. I, which I was like, ha <laughs> uh, I, I seize the separate kitchen where the attic above it where I sleep, which also sketches out, you know, where does she live in all of this? Um, and it's important to, you know, it's a nice little tidbit to know that, um, uh, you know, enslaved people who worked in the big house wouldn't sleep out in the separate quarters. They would sleep in, you know, well, in the attic usually. Um, You know, so the attic where I sleep along with Aunt T or Aunt T, which I was like, is it Aunt T or is it just Auntie? (laughs) I don't know. I did not put that together at all. Mm. Anyway, it spells Aunt, separate word, T-E-E, so, I don't know, whatever you want to say. Uh, Uncle Heb and Hints, uh, I seize the quarters where my friends live, and beyond their cabins, the fields, and the orchards where they work. Um, So, yeah, you get get a nice little picture of, like, the people that she interacts with, um, and, like, how her her situation is laid out. um, and, And you also get a sense of, like, her... Um, opinion of it all when she's talking about you know her masters uh, she says later mass henley thinks he owns everything here at belmont but he don't own all of me not really i know he can tell me to come and i got to come when he says do this i better do it or he'll put the whip to my back but i done learned that he can't tell me what to think and feel and know he t- he look at me every day but he can't see what's in my head so right off the bat I love the spark of rebellion that exists in this character. Mm-hmm. I think it was very much missing from the last character um, and really has been missing from the other girls in this series thus far. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, it's not to say that every girl has to be rebellious. I think Clotie has a better reason than any character so far to be rebellious because she is, you know, born into this system of just objectively morally wrong yes. like slavery 100% um, but that being uh, said I do want every girl to be a little rebellious <laughs> so I think that I think it would get a little stale if every do single you mean the character writing? 
No, yeah, like the the stories. No, I just like, mean like in real life. I want every girl no, to be yeah. rebellious. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Everyone rebel. Uh, question everything. Um, I'm just saying, as a as a literary device, I would get a little tired if every single character was like, "I'm not like other girls." I'm I think that's to a totally fair literary critique. Absolutely, yes, mm-hmm. it would get old. Uh, but in this case. Yeah. If I want these girls to be real, I want them to have rebellion just because I want all girls to have a strike of rebellion <laughs> and something inside of them that says, screw you. Uh, we want every girl to be exactly like every other girl in Rebel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Especially yeah. if I have to read about you. <laughs> <clears throat> right. Um, moving ahead to page 15, we start getting some more details about master and ms lily Mm -hmm. um and the first thing that jumps out is how ms lily asks the the people who are slaves to spy Mm -hmm. on the other people who are slaves Mm -hmm. and it brings up the idea of tattlers a tattler is someone who's like willing to sell out their co-workers crew um in order to get these items from Ms. Lily. She offers them Mm -hmm. handkerchiefs, extra clothes, sweet things, um, if one tattles on the other. They introduce this new character. Her name is Spicy. And uh, Clodie says, none of us in the kitchen are tattlers. Mm -hmm. I hope Spicy isn't one either. Yeah, and that actually kind of gets to something that happened on an earlier page, like right when she was introducing, you know, home and and her diary, she has this entry about how, you know, it's hard keeping secrets from people. I want to tell someone about this diary and that I can read, but I can't. Um, And she, you know, she talks about um, uh, auntie and and. Uh, Uncle Heb and how they're the closest thing she has to parents. You find out her mother died mm-hmm. um, and her father died long, like before she was born. Um, and, you know, she, she says, Oh, I'm so close to these people. They're like my parents, but I can't, I can't trust them. You know, you find out that auntie who is the, the cook, she has been uh, the cook to the master Henley um, all his life. Uh, he, she, he brought, auntie with him when he got when he married into this family um and so she just like doesn't know if where her true loyalties lie um and and same thing with um or similar with uncle Hab, like he just can you know let things slip occasionally and, and tell the wrong person and i thought that was like really heartbreaking because it, it just gets to this um additional level of like control that is beyond yes. physical or there is so much casual disregard i mean i guess that's how people who held human chattel had to be you cannot think mm-hmm. of them i would imagine as people or you yeah. would not be able to do what you are doing well and you have to uh you know 
they did a good job of sowing the seed of distrust amongst them because that's just another layer of control in, in preventing them from organizing and uprising. And you have that, um, <laughs> excuse me while I tie this to the labor movement, but, uh, <laughs> please do, please do <laughs> folks. When your employer tells you it's impolite to discuss your salary with your colleagues, that is a not true and not legal. You are absolutely allowed to discuss your salary with your colleagues, and you should you uh, absolutely because should. it's a tactic to keep people from trusting each other and being open with each other and you know communicating so that they can't organize. It's um, also a federally protected right. You are allowed to talk about your be- salary, and it's federally protected because it is specifically an anti-labor. Uh, tactic. That being said, I have worked for four, at least four, at least companies in my adult life Mm -hmm. uh, that have each put that in the handbook. Uh, That you can't discuss? Yeah, that you're not supposed to discuss your pay. Oh, you should report that to the labor board because that's totally illegal. I should, but I find it all. Well, you know what? I still have those files. Yeah, Yeah, I might. That'll be fun. Um, Anyway, yeah, everyone go look at your employment contract. And if it says it in there, report them to the labor board because that's illegal. Anyway, uh, so... Please remember this, nine-year-olds. Let's go back. Hey, we have adults listening, too. I actually um, think it's mostly adults and also... I think it's mostly adults. <laughs> but still, this is really good information. Yeah. Um, so I'm moving forward. I'm uh, trying to keep this we... on a clip. Oh, yeah. You're doing a good job of it. I'm, I'm the one that's like, but what about this other thing? <laughs> well, I value your insights incredibly. Um, yeah, she talks, she learns the word freedom, um, and she says, like, I could never see anything when I, when I spelled out the word freedom, but then she realizes she was spelling it wrong, and so she spells it correctly, but then she can't, she still still can't see it. She still context for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Freedom, spelled right or wrong, freedom got no picture, no magic. Freedom is just a word. Um, yeah. There's also a nice touch about how, um, she doesn't... Uh, always know what day it is um, because you know she doesn't they don't have access to this kind of information Um, but when she does the master's study um, she looks at his calendar uh, to get the date and so she learns you know oh it's Friday April 1st Um, and so sometimes she'll like you know drop that in other most entries it'll say later the same day Monday you know the next day yeah um, and she she also knows what days Mondays are because um, the mistress Ms. Lily comes into the kitchen to uh, dole out measure out flour, sugar, and other ingredients, um, which is uh, I think also a, a, a thing that would happen in non-slavery households that had servants, where yep. the mistress would. Uh, maintain control over the storeroom um, as a kind of anti-theft measure. They they didn't they, they didn't trust the cooks to not skim off the top and give extra food to servants or to sell it um, to other people outside the home. And so you might remember the- in Downton Abbey, there was always <laughs> tension between Mrs. Patmore and Mrs. Hughes because one controlled the kitchen but the other controlled the storeroom. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so in this case, it's uh, the mistress of the house who controls it. And, you know, it's this tension of her acting like she knows what's going on and 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 making, you know, 
setting out orders for the menu and how much food to get and blah 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 when really you know aunt t is the one that knows what's going on because she's the one that actually cooks um she said this woman (laughs) doesn't know salt from sugar yeah and and there's also a tension uh between in within the marriage as well because as we said aunt t came from the husband um and so we find out that the that the master mass henley he he married into this family like he didn't grow up on this plantation the wife ms lily did he married Um, into money he married into money he was not as wealthy as her and so most of the you know enslaved people on this plantation uh belonged to ms lily's family and so uh you can tell that master henley has a huge inferiority complex about that but uh the one person he has on his side is aunt t and so there's like this constant fight between um him and his wife and you know the various you know people that they own (laughs) about who who they listen to more um yeah (laughs) so yeah oh yeah it's it's on that yeah it's on that page where you there is so much information in the exposition of this diary Mm -hmm. and it's making just like a tapestry of information and detail and connectedness um i just i flew through this book uh, well, the first half of it. Um, so she comes up on the time of year that is likely her birthday. She doesn't actually know what her birthday is, but Aunt T says, um, you came to us when the dogwoods bloomed. Mm-hmm. And she describes some of the gifts that she's given for her 12th birthday, uh, including her friend Hints. He's the uh, stable boy, jockey boy. Um, and yeah, he says, is. He, he. She calls him like her brother friend or something. She does eventually. She had not at this point oh, in time okay. in the book since we're yeah. still pretty early in. But yeah, she thinks of him like a brother, but he's also a friend. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at first, I thought that there was there might be like a little romance between Hints and I Chloe. I think he's older. Yeah, he is older, but yeah, I mean, but also whoever you never the know. white guy in the last book was was also older. Well, yeah. Um, That's but anyway, people. <laughs> so Hints is talking about this sun hat that he has made for Clody for her birthday, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, teasing, "If you lose it, I'm going to bust your head." Mm-hmm. Those words seem to upset Spicy something fierce. She snatched her off her apron and ran to the door. I started to go out after her tell her that hints didn't mean it he wouldn't hit me let her be says auntie and so we did mm-hmm. and then i love this sentence spicy is toting a basket full of sorrow on her head mm. been beat down so much i suspect when somebody raises their hand she covers her head so we are getting clues that spicy has been very traumatized um and so she goes through and and you know hints and spicy are um, really not talking to each other. So she starts talking about uh, hints a bit. She's expose, uh, giving exposition about him. So there's a, there's an entry on page 27 where they, hints and spicy, uh, get into, uh, quote, the worst spat. Um, oh, that's on 23 for me. Oh, I guess we have different. You probably have the old version. I probably do. Okay. Well, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have the, the new uh, publication. Um, Fancy. Yeah. 
Not really. I prefer the old one. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they got into a, the worst spat. She's real touches about her name being Spicy. Hints found out, and and that was good for a tease. He asked if Spicy was more cinnamon or more nutmeg. Lord, what did he say that for? Spicy hauled off and whacked him right in the mouth. You half-white dog, she screamed at him. Hints went sprawling out on the ground. And then you know it goes on from there. Um, uh, and then, but Spicy shoots back um you might look like old master but you ain't really white and i ain't gotta put up with you deviling me um so what she's hinting at is that hints uh is much lighter skinned to the point of almost passing for white in fact it says uh, that he has grayish eyes and curly sandy hair um and there's talk in the quarters that his daddy is a white man. And it could even be Master Henley's brother or even Master Henley himself. Um, nobody knows for sure. I mean, obviously someone does, but it's... Right. So I wrote underneath here that they are saying the quiet part loud in this mm-hmm. book. And they do that truly multiple times. But on the next page... Mm-hmm. I told Uncle Heb about what Spicy said. Color of your skin don't matter when you're a slave, Uncle Heb explained to me real easy-like. Virginia Law says if the mama be black, then her children be black. And if the mama be a slave, then her children be a slave. Hints looks white, but he's black, because his mama Ola was black. Never mind who his daddy be. And I wrote in the margins, why would the law say that? Why would the law... Why would it be important for Virginia law mm-hmm. to create that rule? Because there are a lot of people like Hints running around the South at that mm-hmm. time. In um, fact, our and, friend Mary Chestnut, mm, um, in the diary that she kept during the Civil War, she talked frequently about how there were unacknowledged children of enslaved women and white mm-hmm. masters who yeah. would be kept and sold. Um, and Clody talks about that as well. She says, if Master Henley then is his, who is his daddy, how does that make him feel being a slave of his own daddy? Mm-hmm. There's something deep down wrong about such a thing. Yeah. This character yeah. is very, very advanced. And I appreciate her writing out her arguments so that we can be exposed to them for the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, um, I'm not the first time for you and well, I. We're in but our But, like, 30s. this is, this is, yeah, for someone, uh, you know, like young me who's being, you know, radicalized by these books step yeah. by step. Um, this is the first yeah, one that's getting is, radical. This one, um, no, there was another one that talked, that vaguely hinted at it. But this one is very... That very much just comes right out and says a lot of these things about how exactly how messed up slavery was. And I think in particular, I really love that this is a written by women of color um, and about, a you know, a girl because um, it shows it really emphasizes the the woman's perspective in in this story where it's like, yeah, these white men can come and do anything they want to you um and you just gotta like that's it and and like also you know the product of that is hints and like he is 
the son of the master, but he's owned by the master, and that's right. by rights so he is the brother, uh, probably of, of the son of the house, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. But he has to fetch water and carry for him, and even though we know that he would be technically the first son of the house, mm-hmm. he should inherit it all and have it all. But because he is a product of multiple, like morally. Uh, reprehensible things um, because there's no way this relationship was consensual Um, people who are owned cannot consent mm -hmm. we've gone over that before Um, but as you know it's one of my favorite things to talk about yeah and there's also no indication of like even half-hearted like consent like there is i mean right obviously we don't know this is this is hinting at something in the past that cloti didn't witness but like there's no like oh they had a love affair it's like no he <laughs> right no that's yeah. not what happened here he got to yeah. use her body in the same way that he would use her body to pick fields mm-hmm. of cotton or tobacco and that is something that comes up again which is why i i say that it, it gives the the women's perspective um because it describes uh marriage um amongst enslaved people on the plantation yes um she, uh, I don't, I don't know how out of order I'm gonna get, but um, it's difficult, meant- right? Because this author is, <laughs> she's really being quite frank on the page, mm-hmm. yeah, about subject matter that I wouldn't normally take up with a twelve year old. Oh yeah, and you know? some of it is hinted at, and some of it comes right out and and really says it. Where she's talking about a friend of hers that I think is fifteen, yes. and the master tells her like. Hey, you should get you should choose someone to marry or else I'm going to choose someone for you. And this girl um doesn't know who she wants to make doesn't really want to marry anyone. God, can you imagine? Just like think back to whoever you had a crush on at age mm-hmm. 15. Yeah. Imagine if you had to get married to them and have their babies. Right, exactly. Imagine well, how bad your life would be. Yeah. And so Oof. like the the master ends up choosing someone from a different plantation to come marry her and like you know they'll get visitation and then you're like why does he care and why indeed why indeed and cloti comes out and says it it's because they have babies and that's more people for this master to own and that is his value just like if your pigs have piglets mm -hmm. and that is the the, like one of the most messed up thing like owning someone is terrible um, but like selecting them, breeding of humans, forcing them into labor is is terrible. But yeah, breed like forcibly breeding humans. Yeah. Can you just imagine? so you can have more humans to own is uh, just so disgusting. And the fact that this book is just so frank about it is just yes. like is refreshing. <laughs> it is so refreshing and mature. I honest to Pete, I would buy multiple copies of this. I'm going to stick multiple copies in my little free library. Mm-hmm. I'm going to radicalize the neighbor kids. Yeah. Um, I do okay. want to talk about uh, page 28 for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a lesson where William is trying to read. Uh, he is not a successful reader, so his mother slaps him very hard. Yeah, his mom seems to be um, pretty awful. Yeah. There's nobody redeemable 
uh, in this. I mean, even William's a whiner, but I kind of sympathize with him because he's a kid who's trying to learn how to read from a lady who is not trained to teach yeah. people how to read. And she's beating him. No wonder he can't read. Like, sorry, I get real saucy about the way people teach. Um, there are some people who should not be mm-hmm. teachers because they do not have the patience or knowledge to teach a skill like reading. And reading is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, and this is not always the case. There are some very talented, patient and educated homeschool teachers. But just because you're a parent does not mean you are qualified to teach. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen it joked about before that like homeschool kids are either just like genius savants or yes. don't know the months of the year. Like there's yep. <laughs> that is that is largely been my experience. Um, they are also the often kept socially mm-hmm. isolated so that the parents can better control them. Yeah, it's and awful. It's it's not always the case. That not is not everyone. always the case. I'm just talking about However, is, my experiences it, as a, a free <laughs> supplemental teacher available to homeschool groups. Yeah, in my experience, those kids are shockingly mm. underdeveloped in terms of socialization. But that um, is my soapbox. Yeah, uh, I get spicy about it if you will <laughs> speaking of spicy yeah um i'm a huge spicy fan she I, is quality i love spicy so much there's just like all these little like so they introduce spicy as you know here's this new girl who's just been you know purchased and brought to the plantation and she's very skittish and and she winces at any kind of like hint or mention of physical violence and and Cloti immediately senses that she's got this deep sadness and hurt to her. Um, and but at first, like folks are are wary of her because, you know, they're like, why did you bring in this new person? You know, have you been brought here to spy on us? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it talks about how Ms. Lily would offer these little bribes um, to folks to tattle. Um and then over, like, a period of, you know, a little bit of time, um, Cloti and Spicy kind of get to know each other. Um, and so she, she talks to Spicy and come to find out Spicy is motherless, too. Um, and just as I thought she'd been mistreated, something awful, beaten and yelled at by her old master, say he's meaner than Mass Henley, I can't imagine. Um, and then... She says, if I could, I'd run away from this place. So far, they'd never find me. She blurted out, looking like a cornered cat. You won't tell on me, will you? None of us are tattlers, I told her. I ain't either, she said, and I believe her. And I was like, yay, spicy. Right? (laughs) I love her. (laughs) On the following page, um, she sees the deep wounds, the scars that are on Spicy's back from getting Mm. deeply, deeply beat and whipped. And she, Clody, says... Uh, you know, Spicy says to Clody, why do you care what happens to me? And Clody says, I saw your back and I wouldn't want that to happen to you again or anybody. And I like you. Spicy mm-hmm. looked real surprised. Like nobody had ever said that to her before. Oh, I, I know. Just, I just love Spicy and Clody's friendship. I just, it's so good. It's so pure. It feels real too. Mm-hmm. 
Like they just immediately see each other and they're just like and Cody's like, I see you, I see your pain. I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna take the time it, that is necessary to make you feel comfortable and welcome here and it's just so precious. I love it. We get a couple scenes of them sleeping out in the hot summer uh, mm-hmm. when it is too hot to be in the kitchen attic. Um, they go outside, they take their bed mats outside and sleep under the stars. And they kind of have like sleepovers out there. And it's mm-hmm. so sweet and pure and so I love it. good. And I related to it because I used to do that when it was really hot and we didn't have AC. We'd sleep outside. Oh God, you guys didn't have AC? Yeah, it's actually a little cooler typically in, in New York. Sure. And, um, but it was still hot. <laughs> anyway, um, there's a there's a, a moment of Clody being uh, really salty, and I love it. Um, uh, it's shortly after she she's I don't I don't even, it's okay. It's so hard because we don't have the same page numbers. Yes. But we also don't have like dates to reference. Right. So it's after. It's it's after the none of us are toddlers. So it goes fourth Sunday in April, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> is where we pick back up. Um, so um, she says, Mr. Ben Thompson's Betty came to Belmont to finish fit and address for the misses. Uh, that's hinting that uh, you know uh, enslaved people who had specialized skills um, were often kind of lent out to other plantations mm-hmm. um and so in this case it's a dressmaker and we also find out that Cloty's mother was used to be a dressmaker she was a a, a really good seamstress um and we find out that she was sold to another plantation when uh master henley was mad at his wife basically which was like cool great i love that you guys have the power to do that um so uh, betty is a good seamstress her master hires her out to make clothes for people far away makes wedding dresses fancy party dresses everything good as she is though betty can't hold a candle to my mama when she was a seamstress here at belmont everybody say so (laughs) <laughs> she says, the ugliest dress in Virginia is being made right here at Belmont for Ms. Lily. <laughs> it's made of a shade of light green that looks washed out, no color. I'd rather wear this plain cotton shirt I got on with nothing underneath it than all that grand mess she's having made. <laughs> uh, it's it's really funny. Um, and there's even like a later page where she brings it up again when they yes. have like a fancy party and she's Fourth like July party. and Ms. Lily was wearing her ugly green dress <laughs> <laughs> it's great um <clears throat> that okay so but like the the concept of lending um humans out hu- humans out yeah. to people brings up so I went on a little tour of JSTOR today because I remembered fun. I remembered that I have JSTOR um, access and there was now I'm not going to remember which one it was Um, it was this one okay and in an article called Holy Rebellion Religious Assembly Laws in Antebellum South Carolina and Virginia um, by Nicholas May this comes from the American Journal of Legal History 
in Ooh. 2007. God, I aren't, love JSTOR. Aren't I fancy? Oh, it lends um, us so much credibility. It really does. Um, but yeah, this article talks about, and it, it gives like a comprehensive history of basically reasons why um, slave owners um, or, you know, the you know slave owning minority that had all the power in these uh, southern states passed laws um, against um, their slaves being able to assemble for religious purposes. And that's something that we've talked about. And, and this book actually also talks about um, there's a character that we haven't discussed yet named Rufus who lives um, in the quarters and works you know in the fields. But he has um, the Bible memorized because the previous plantation he lived on um, the, his master was a preacher and wanted, um, all of his enslaved people to learn the Bible. Um, and so this, this article that, um, I read, uh, talks about the very complicated, uh, history of, of religion and, uh, slavery, because on the one hand you have people who, you know, want everyone to be converted with the good word. But on the other hand, you also have a long history of rebellions um, being started on Sundays when, um, you know, everyone else was at church and, you know, the the slaves on the plantation were allowed to congregate and, you know, share Bible stories, but also to plan these revolts. Um, and another way that... Um, uh, communication happened between plantations was these uh lent out or hired out specialized skilled people who you know would travel to other plantations and they could bring messages uh which is very clever yes um hey do whatever you can to fight the power um so yeah, that was that was an interesting article, and, it, and it's something that we've talked about um, multiple times. Uh, this tension of like how much to teach people. And I also read another yeah. article, yeah, um, that uh, because I was very interested in the idea of Cloty teaching herself how to read and write. Um, and so this one, uh, this article is called uh, "We Slipped and Learned to Read: Slave Accounts of of the Literacy Process, 1830 to 1865." Oh my god, exciting. Yes, uh, this is written by Janet uh, Cornelius, um, and it comes from Phylon. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, this this uh, is a study of um, different interviews with former slaves and and who learned how to read and write. And there's a distinction made between people who learn how to read and people who learn how to read and write because apparently um, some enslaved people only were allowed to learn how to read because, oh, you can read the Bible, but you can't learn how to write because writing is the dangerous part. Because then Um, you can spread your ideas. Exactly. And there was actually like a story. I I, I have to believe that uh, Patricia McKissick probably read this exact article or or knew of the study or some or or read the accounts or something that are referenced in this because there are descriptions of you know most of the people that were interviewed for these studies um, were children uh, when they were uh, when they learned how to read um, and most of them 
worked in the big house because they were given access to mm-hmm. um, words, basically. And there was even one story of uh, a child who was fanning the child of the master mistress. Perfect. And she and must learned, have read it. Yeah, and learned how to read by by reading the baby like wooden blocks. You know that the child had those tools uh, do work, but you have to apply them in a way that is not violent. Yes. Wow, that's so cool! Great research, Jeffrey. Very nice. Thank you. I um, was very excited. <laughs> the book I am reading to go alongside with this book is called. It's specifically about Harriet Tubman, Long mm-hmm. Rock, Long Walk to Freedom, um, and it's about her life as an abolitionist, somebody who was moving people along the Underground Railroad. Um, and I am only a couple pages into it, but it's quite well written. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it was interesting. Um, it, and with the Bible stuff too, um, uh, there's, uh, I wonder if I can find it. I didn't do a very good job of like writing notes. I mostly just underlined a million things. I also um, underlined a million things, but I figured if I went through and double underlined the stuff that really mattered. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry, this is, might not be the most um, comprehensive summary, um, but there's there's a whole section about Rufus, and, and he's, like, given permission to basically hold Sunday services on the plantation. Yeah. Um, and, and Clotie, like, goes, and she hears these stories, and she hears, like, one about Daniel in the lion's den, and then she hears one about Jonah and the whale, um, and I can't remember the third one. Um, um, Jonah and the Whale, Daniel and the Lion's Den, David oh, it's, and Goliath. It's David and Goliath, yes. Um, and she's kind of reflecting on these stories and thinking about like, oh, yeah, that that would be really scary to be, you know, in a den of lions. And, and, and then she has this kind of um, dawning realization that Rufus isn't just teaching these stories just, you know, to tell a good story, but... These are all stories of the underdog rising up against a more scary and powerful uh, oppressor. <laughs> or, or and she adversary. figures out that Rufus is telling her two stories. The mm-hmm. stories of then and also the stories of now, their situation yeah. now. Ooh, yeah. metaphor. What metaphor. a powerful literary device. Yeah, you can really tell that she Clotie has a very a literary mind and yes. I mean I'm sure some of that is a, a little bit of author insert like you often have uh, main characters who have very like I just love writing and I love reading and it's like yeah. mm, I wonder why <laughs> um, yeah um, so oh but there's another important b- piece of foreshadowing that is laid down um, two entries before April 29th um and uh, da, 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 da. oh, because this is Betty, the the dressmaker, is yeah. still at Belmont, and uh, she has some news. As I said, you know, these people who are hired out would bring news to the different places they went, um, and and uh, she says, "Word tell there was." Oh, there was like uh, dogs and stuff on like from a plantation running several weeks ago. Um, trying to find someone and she has says we're tell it was a white man that helped people get away on the railroad what runs under the ground a one-eyed white man they says um 
and it's like, ooh, who is this mysterious person? Mm-hmm. And and we knowing what what we know a little bit, we hear terms like a railroad that runs underground, and we think, oh, I bet I know what that is. Yep, yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and she doesn't quite get the words right first. She she yeah. doesn't know what an abolitionist is. She calls them. Um, Abolitions, the abol abolistine. Yeah, uh, and so she's like, I can't stop thinking about the abolistines, um, and it seems some white folks don't want slavery. Uh, they they be the abolistines, um, and so it's yeah. You can hear her like figuring it out and and thinking like, oh, if there's some white people that are good, like where do they how do we get to them and she she says do they all wear patches over their eyes are they all men um uh, one thing for sure is that the abolistines is helping slaves get to freedom and knowing that is good for now (laughs) um yeah so she's she's figuring things out about because she also says that she's never been off this plantation so like forgive her lack of knowledge of the big wide world (laughs) Um, Plus, um, she's also twelve. She's a little she's, girl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but she's she's really grappling with some big stuff. Um, not only the politics of the day and how it affects her, but also politics between genders. Uh, her friend Wook is married off without her will. Yes. Um, and she's you know she's thinking about that and why anybody would be involved in that. Um, her friend Aggie, um, who's married to Rufus, um, has a baby, and Aunt T is a midwife, and Clody is just desperate to also be a midwife because she wants to be just like Aunt T. Mm-hmm. And Aunt T keeps telling her, no, this isn't for you. And so when Aggie goes in to have her baby, uh, instead of bringing Clody, Aunt T brings Spicy. Mm-hmm. And ooh, Clody is so mad. Mm-hmm. But then later Spicy comes back and um, we don't mm-hmm. we don't get the words on the page of exactly what went down. Um, but she but comes to the conclusion. Clody that, has something in common with you. Yeah. Which is that she was grossed out. Super grossed out by pregnancy because it's real gross. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the next day, Clody makes the realization all I can think about today is that Aggie and Rufus have now made Master Henley the owner of 28 slaves. Yep. That little baby don't belong to them. He belongs to Master Henley. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the next, it says following day, um, I, I, she gets I'm to go see the baby. far behind you. Oh, I'm on page 41. Oh, oh, I found you. Okay. okay. Um, and I just want to bring up this point of real casual cruelty. One of the other casual cruel moments regarding people and their babies is that Spicy, which is a name Spicy hates, uh, mm-hmm. had to be named that because that's what the mistress of her last plantation said her baby, her name had to be. So these mistresses get to name the children. Um, yeah. And we've got um, a story here. Master Henley allows new mothers a week free from the fields after having a baby one week wow one week before you're out there stooping and squatting working in the hot sun Mm -hmm. and you're also still expected to breastfeed that child Mm -hmm. which i don't know if you know this breastfeeding takes on like 
1300 calories a day, right? Yeah. Just, just to feed another human being with the body, the energy of your body. And so, you know, uh, aunt T is talking about how she sends extra food down because mm -hmm. it's so difficult uh, to create that with your body, that extra 1300 calories. Mm -hmm. um, so we discuss Wook again and how when Wook turned uh, 15, he told her to choose a husband. And when she didn't, he picked out Lee and said they'd make strong babies. Blah. So again, just the selective breeding of humans. Uh, but Clody comes to the conclusion, is this going to happen to me? She has three years. When I come of age, is Master Henley going to marry me to someone just so I can have babies for him to own? I won't yep. let that happen to me. I won't. You go, girl. Good mm -hmm. for you. Good for you. Mm. Um, I'm bumping ahead, just looking for things that are happening. Uh, she learns about... Well, she, she, they, she finds out that the family's going to hold a, a party slash fundraiser for a political candidate. Um, and she learns a new word, uh, secession. Good. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, she, also there's, there's, um, an old gambling friend of Master Henley. Um, so we, we learn a little bit about, um, uh, and more reasons why, uh, Ms. Lily does not like her husband. Um, and it's because he is a huge gambler. He, uh, also races horses, um, which is what. Uh, hints is, uh, serves as he, he is the jockey. Um, and yeah, so it, it's a lot of like really messed up stuff where uh, these are not good people. And I, I'm totally fine with that. White people in this book should not be painted in no, a, a it's good wonderful light. and refreshing. Um, and again, once again, saying the quiet part out loud, this author is so blatant about what she wants us to understand. Um, we're talking about Hintz's mother. Her, her name was Ola. Um, and the talk about Master Henley being the boy's father. Aunt T is real closed mouth about it all. But from what I can pick up here and there from the women in the quarters, Ms. Lily wouldn't rest till Hintz's mama was sold. Say... Yep. They say Ola was just too pretty. Miss mm -hmm. Lily would have sold hints too, but Master Henley put his foot down on that. Says a male slave will bring more money when he got older and been trained. Master and Henley. You have to wonder if it's also like a bit of like, well, that's my son, but also like, yes. well, you like him a little bit, but not enough to actually like not say, oh, he'll fetch more money later. Right. Exactly. Whoa. It's awful. It's awful. There is no redeeming quality to these people at all, mm -hmm. which is wonderful. Because guess what? Yeah. You don't get to be redeemed if you held another yeah. human being as property. I think. Look at it, you, George Washington. Uh -huh. The only thing I'll say is I I do also appreciate um, stories in which the 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 racism is a little bit more uh covert 
Um, and I, th- I maybe it's just a difference between the north and the south. Like yeah. uh, I've heard often that like in the south, like it's very overt racism, which um, makes some people feel more comfortable with it because at least they see it coming. Because at least they see it and they know, and it's like right there. Whereas in the north, a lot of times it's more covert, um, and and so it's like a sneaky like white people or white people in the north don't think they're racist. Like white people right. in the south will often be loud and proud about their racism but <laughs> in the north it's sneakier and so it's it's a little more dangerous sometimes and so sometimes i i i kind of want to see that side of like oh th- you thought this person was nice but yes. actually but and and if you want a great story about that uh get out for all you adults yep. <laughs> that's a that's a great movie that depicts that side of it anyway no oh, yeah that <laughs> very well stated but I think um, for a kid's book... One of the best book, twists in a film I've ever seen. Yeah. I think for a kid's book, um, it, this this more overt version of it is a lot easier to understand. And I think that's part of what I was so frustrated with um, the previous book was that, hey, if you are trying to do this thing, like props to you for having this like, oh, but you got to question whether these people really are good at the end of the day. However, I don't think he did a good enough job of like putting those winks and nudges in there mm-hmm. um, so that it, it ended up coming across as just a, oh, no, this is fine. These are good white exactly. people. Who just exactly. happen to own people. <laughs> that is... Uh, I... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's why we're saying this is refreshing is because, like, it's so different than the previous one. This whereas... is a lebidated Slurpee under the hot July sun. It is so refreshing. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's the author being like, no, no, slavery was bad. Right. <laughs> slavery was bad. Uh, slavery was bad. I, 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 yes. And this author, I, I was sad to learn that she and her husband, who was also occasionally her co-writer, mm. uh, have both passed away. Because my goodness, I'd love to Ugh. interview her. I would, yeah, I would have loved to talk to her. Um, In yeah, the I was 90s, like, I cannot state like, this enough. Mm-hmm. We did not talk about these things. This was yeah. not part of my education, and it should have been. Mm-hmm. That's why uh, we get so heated about critical race theory yep. nowadays is because people who are fighting for it are just fighting for like a better way to teach kids things that are true. Yep. This isn't indoctrination. It's just like, hey, this happened. Right. And like, I'm sorry if you, your poor white children might feel a little bad about it, but like that's life well and it's so important for understanding Mm -hmm. politics in america today it's Mm -hmm. important for understanding laws in america today a lot of our laws are still deeply racist and if we don't understand that we cannot change that exactly however there are people who have a vested interest in maintaining the status quo and not changing those laws uh, because it doesn't benefit them and their personal power. Um, yeah. I have been flipping forward to where I underlined things again. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I just say one quick thing? That's yes, another please. piece of yes, foreshadowing. Please. I don't know for sure if this was foreshadowing, but there's another little uh, uh, excerpt of her cleaning the, you know, dusting the study. And uh, she... F- 
uh, finds an almanac and she's like starts reading it and she's like I couldn't believe that somebody could know ahead of time when the moon was going to be full mm-hmm. but sure enough the moon was full on the very day the almanac said it would be and I was like hmm that might be interesting information to know if you had to like in maybe the future, escape under the brightest you, moon if you had to know what what kind of conditions you would want um, yeah, I believe in that same scene, she also comes across a, an atlas mm. uh, where she looks up the names mm-hmm. of cities that she has recently heard of yeah. from this firebrand politician. Uh, so she hears about New York and Boston and Philadelphia, uh, all places notably in the north. Yeah, it's it's mm. great. It's, it's just like laying down these little breadcrumbs um oh oh okay sorry i know you wanted to skip ahead but i i did skip ahead a little bit Um, i'm proud of you keep going thank you thank you uh we get a scene where um oh this it's describing when they sold uh clody's mother yes um, uh, rissa and ms lily got really mad because she's like that's the best dressmaker um and she uh that brought about a fate and spell the kind ms lily gets when she's trying to win a point <laughs> and i love that because yes. it shows uh this is the concept of white women tears yep. uh where white women will use um the idea of their own fragility and delicacy as a weapon to get what they want and it's disgusting white women you should not do that uh it's bad for everyone including you you Um, have a vested interest in keeping it together yep uh listen i have a hard time not crying during an argument and that is natural and it's not me trying to be is not me trying to be manipulative but the more white women do it as a manipulation tactic the less people will believe us when it's not <laughs> and when it matters. it's terrible and you shouldn't do it and i just i i love that it makes this character as bad and silly and frivolous as she should be yeah. um this author anyway. is just killing it Spitting. um Sorry, what did but, you say? Wait, wait, the next, the next page, there's another yep. lovely uh, scene with Spicy. Give me a date. Um, it's, it's later, after, <laughs> after that um, Ms. Lily's fainting, fake fainting spell. Um, anyway, but she's, she's talking with Spicy, um, and uh, it's when uh, she finds out that her mother died, um, and... They held like a service in the quarters, and they sang this song, uh, crossing over, crossing over, yes. crossing over to in, to Zion. Um, and she says, "When I finish my story, Spicy said, your story is my story.'" And then we both cried. After talking to Spicy, I felt lots better. Spicy and I have laughed together, cried together, and shared each other's hurts. We're becoming good friends. I like that. And Yay! I, it's so good. Okay. So good. So wonderful. I love spicy. Yeah, they're great characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, gosh, uh, we learn how to spell abolitionists. Yes. Um, she because she's picking out like newspapers when she can. Um, and the party with the the politicians coming. Cleophus Tucker, July fourth. Of Such course. Such a silly name. I love it. Yeah, Cleophus. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I love it. Yeah, so she's writing down the words of, of, of cities, and all these words got to do with freedom. So I'm hoping all over myself that they will give me a picture of freedom. It's like hoping <laughs> all over myself. Yeah. I love that. Um, so Father and Hints go away to a big race, and while they are there, they win a magnificent racehorse named mm. Dancer that is meant yep. for William. This is going to change a lot of things. Um, this horse is not broken yet, so even though he's fast and nimble and beautiful, he's not safe. Well, he's also not fit for a child. Certainly to not. Ride. Although there are twelve-year-old riders that are very competent. Yeah, but, but this William, William has not been is given that opportunity. Clearly not. And this is a stallion, and, yes. and a lot An of ungelded like, stallion. But Just also, a full yes. of testosterone. So he brings a stallion home, and he's like, "This is for William." And everybody knows it's, it's really, really a racehorse. It's yeah. really a racehorse. Um, yeah. So we have the Fourth of July holidays coming, where we're going to have this big fancy party, and there's going to be people from all over. Um, mm-hmm. And during the course of that, somehow Clody gets the idea. That William is going to take the racehorse dancer mm-hmm. and ride away to Richmond, untrained, unprotected, without I think his parents' he knowledge. Says something about it. He does, but I don't remember where, and I didn't write it down. So I'm mm. just speed skinning. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, William is like a real—I want to say a bad word, but. <laughs> We promised we wouldn't do that. Right. He's a real, We're trying so hard not to say bad he's words. He's a real doo-doo head. Um, <laughs> Good yeah. job. Thank you. Good job. She um, says she hates holidays. Um, because they represent so much work. Yeah. They always have parties. They have guests over. And they they have to do so much extra work. They like the Sunday is usually their free day. but she But they take it away when they're getting ready for... Um, a holiday. And another thing that comes up over and over again is this idea that people, um, other enslaved people on the plantation are jealous of her because she works in the big house. Yeah. And she's like, I wish I worked in the fields because, yeah, I know you work really hard, but at the end of the day, like, you're done. Yeah. And you can be around each other where, you know, she has probably objectively fewer free hours because they have to fix all three meals every day including plus themselves and they also have to clean the house um and they're you know tending a kitchen garden and they're you know doing all this other stuff and so it's this interesting thing of like you know a lot of the other folks on the plantation were probably like thinking that she had it so easy it's i mean it's always the grass is always green on the other side or whatever but she is not at all taken in by this idea of being surrounded by fancy things oh Uh, um, i found where william is being a jerk oh okay Um, so this is page 62 for me Mm -hmm. uh the entry starts on a tuesday i saw william down at the stables he was talking to some of the hands. I thought maybe I should tell Ms. Lily what I overheard. And she reports to her mistress, I think he may try to ride Dancer over to Richmond, the city in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And she says, don't be foolish, Clody. 
William wouldn't try to do a dangerous thing like that. She made me brush her hair. Right. Exactly. Um, So she's working, she's working. And eventually William does exactly what she overheard. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it, it's terrible. Um, In the meantime, she does. um, Sorry, I lost my spot. Um, I'm near the holiday. We've got... Oh, I'm already at July 18th. All right. right. I'm busting (laughs) through here. Um, We find out that William is going to get a tutor. uh, T-U-T-U-R. Somebody who can better teach than his Mm -hmm. mother. Um, And at first we don't know what a tutor is. We call it toot, T-O-O-T, like Mm -hmm. a a flatulent person, which I thought was funny. Um... And the tutor arrives, uh, and he's quite odd. He's strange. He's not very coordinated uh, as he's driving his little, you know, pony set up to the gate. Yeah, um, his name but, is Eli Harms. Which is a great name also. Mm-hmm. Um, he's but, coming from Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. which is where the president lives in a big white house. Um yeah, and yeah, it describes him as uh, yeah being very strange looking, and I, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Hmm. Um, I also there's an, a very as the tutor arrives, we are in the room, uh, we are in Miss Lily's personal room, cleaning, and at the end of the day, the missus called me, Glody, to her side, and the mistress says to her, and I love this because it it's so direct Mm. the mistress says you know your mama and I were the best of friends right you're Mm. smart just like her and immediately Clody challenges her and says why'd you let her go I don't know what came over me aunt T is right if you think out a thing you'll end up doing it how many Mm. times had I thought about asking Miss Lily that question now I dared to ask it The words just popped right out of my mouth. It's a wonder she didn't slap me. Instead, she just gave me a warning. She said, must not be too sassy, Clody. Then she studied my face. I was sure my eyes had turned into windows and she could see all the letters and words tumbling around in my brain. So I closed my eyes, too scared to move. And Mr. speaks up again and says, yes, you're different from the others. I never know quite what's going on inside that little head of yours, but it makes me wonder. Ms. Lily is scary like a bad dream. And we find out that Lily um, did promise um, spicy uh, treasures and treats if she would report on her other kitchen staff. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so and it is she now says, f- I just wrote danger, D-A-N-G-E-R, I see Miss Lily's face. Yes, girl. Yep. She is dangerous. Don't trust that yep. snake. Mm-mm. Um, so William did go. Fourth Saturday in July, page 67 for me. Um, this is quite an action-packed sequence, so we'll go through it, but it's awful. Uh, mm. William left, left here, riding dancer over to Richmond, showing off. Um, it started when Hints and Master Henley were gone on the way to the race. William went to Uncle Heb, who's the gardener and quite an old man, married to Auntie, saying his daddy said he could ride Dancer. 
I had told Miss Lily he'd do it, but she didn't believe me. Uncle Heb said, uh, I'm sorry, Uncle Heb saddled up Dancer. Last we seen of the boy, he shot out of the stables and down the drive. I've got a real bad feeling. Ain't nothing good coming of this for nobody. So Miss Lily find out what happened. She sends all the riders she can out after her boy. And they don't find him until eventually the horse comes home. Uh, horses do that. Do you know that? Horses yeah. know their way home. And if you... They're so interested in food, horses are, that if you point a horse back towards home, they'll get there by themselves. Hmm. Yeah. They're yeah. really smart well, animals It's also quite horrific how she says it, because it's like, the horse came trotting back up the drive, dragging William's body like a sack of rags. And yes. at first I'm like, is he dead? No. Arguably, he's... it's worse. Yeah. He Well... I don't know about that. In 1859? Well, but he's alive. And to quote Tyrion Lannister, I'd rather uh, be... I don't know what it is, but basically... (laughs) Yeah, you can't quote Tyrion Lannister on a show that's supposed to be listened to by middle schoolers, Jen. No, it's not a bad thing. It's just when when they're saying, like, when Jamie Lannister is like, oh... Give me, uh, what happened to Bran is terrible. Give me a quick, clean death. And, and Tyrion basically is like, well, I'd rather be crippled than dead, basically hinting at his hmm. own I know, don't remember handicap. that. I believe well, you. It sounds like Tyrion Lannister. Um, I was expecting something about drinking a whole lot and being yeah, smarter no, than everybody. No, that's a different quote. That one I do know. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, this is horrible. Um, the reason that I think it is possibly worse and kind of with Jamie on that quick, clean death. Mm. Um, but where there is life, there is hope. And I actually think after this accident, which takes William's ability to walk, um, he's paralyzed, it seems, from the waist down. Mm. Um, just in 1859, the accessibility that we have today strictly didn't exist. There no. were you know, handicap ramps, there weren't accessibility tools. But for someone like William, who has people that they don't pay yep. available to just care for Wash his every him and need care for him. and Absolutely. carry him everywhere, so that's his accessibility. Now, <laughs> father gets home and he finds out about this accident and things quickly go from bad to worse. Mm-hmm. Um, Master Henley decides that the person who is to blame is not William himself, but in fact, Heb, Uncle Heb. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he beats Uncle Heb with the butt of a gun mm-hmm. uh, and effectively murders him. And we yep. are told about that directly on the page. It is something that happens Grecian kind of off scene. But she knows and she says exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, even though Aunt T begs for his life, the life of her husband um, and uncle or uncle, sorry, Master Henley has the shotgun pointed to this human being's head. He decides not to pull the trigger because Aunt T is begging him, but it doesn't matter anyway because he's Uncle Heb is dead within an hour. Yeah. What a horrible way to die. What a horrible yep. thing to witness as a child. Um, mm-hmm. Just something else. Um, additionally, uh, afterwards, um, Aunt T is removed from her position in the house. She's removed from her home 
which is well what happens is uh in an earlier scene that we that we skipped over um miss lily comes and she's like hey we're having guests over on wednesday can you fix you know something besides what we have usually yeah and and he's like yeah sure whatever um and then goes ahead and and fixes the same thing she always fixes because that because master likes fried chicken on wednesdays it was it was fried chicken and mashed potatoes essentially Mm -hmm. uh which how could you blame him that sounds good yeah Um, i could go for that yeah um and so like that's a sign of like oh she knows who the real person in charge is um and so but then skip to this part um after um uncle heb dies um auntie uh purposely fixes something else for dinner on on wednesday and right she's not gonna fix somebody who murdered her husband her famous yeah. fried chicken and mashed potatoes. And, but that lets, uh, Master Henley know that, oh, I, she's, she doesn't, she's not on she's my side She's holding me responsible for something yeah, that I Yeah, she did. doesn't believe this thing that it was his fault and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so yeah. he retaliates against her and sends her back out to the to the slave quarters and and gets a different woman you know and he has this dumb excuse of like oh i can't trust her not to poison me and well, she even and she says, looks at him she says to his face like i'm not gonna poison you but i ain't that know. low down and ornery Oof. yeah but a little bit i feel like she would have poisoned him and i if somebody well, murdered dan yeah. in front of me you better believe i'd poison him i mm, yeah. they'd be lucky to get poison it's it's the weighing like how much do I do I want to die for this because right. surely I will. Yep. Um, and you know I'm not gonna blame anyone for making a a, a decision <laughs> in that situation. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, <laughs> sometimes murder's allowed, guys. Yeah, you know what? Just sometimes, kidding. Sometimes for legal reasons, cool. that was a joke. This is a joke. Um. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, she fixes him something else as her form of protest, and he uh, resents just, it so much. He, yeah, he resents he it. Sends her away. Being held responsible, even the smallest bit. He sends her out of the kitchen. Decides to put up with somebody who has worse cooking. Well, takes it's her a challenge to his. Her. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a challenge to his authority, and he yep. just like can't handle that. And so and he he sends it. her away. He like is very petty and like doesn't let her take her uh, like cast iron bed that was given to her and her husband as a gift for their you know years of service. Yep. Um, and yeah, make her and sleep so, on a pallet. She's an old lady who's mm-hmm. now sleeping on a pallet on a dirt floor. Um, so she, the, the folks in the quarters do take care of her cause they, they all, and she took and care of them. Her. Um, yeah. Cause she was the midwife. Um, anyway, so yeah. And she's just, she's grieving for, um, uh, auntie and also uncle Heb. And she says like, when I write the word flower, I will think of that kindly old man who grew beautiful roses and told the best stories ever. And it's really tr- like sad. Yeah. Because she really loved this man. And he called her, her his little sunflower girl. Um, and it's just so, ugh. no, it's, it's <sighs> wonderful. And I'm so glad that we're reading this book. Mm-hmm. It's important. Um, and 
She she says uh, nobody should have to live as a slave. As a, if a slave can be an abolitionist, then I want to be one because I hate slavery and I want it to end. Um, and then on the next page, um, Spicy and me took Miss Lily's bath water up to her room. She sent Spicy out, but she asked me to stay and fan her while I for a while, and I obeyed. Clody, things are going to change around here, but I'm taking care of you. Don't you worry. Just promise me you won't say a word about your talk with me about William. I never dreamed that he would do something so stupid. Um, so, yeah, Ms. Lily is worried that Clody's going to mention to Master Henley that she warned Ms. Lily about him going taking the horse to Richmond. Um, and... So now she's trying to bribe Clody to be quiet, which is interesting. Just disgusting. Yeah, we. Uh, so Clody has a little bit of leverage, but Auntie is immediately wary of it because she she tells Auntie about this, and she's like, she will do, and she won't like you having leverage over her. Yep. So she's gonna do. You better watch out because she's gonna blame you for something. And try to get you out of there so that, you know, she you don't have this thing hanging over her head. Um, while she's being Important lesson. quiet <laughs> and keeping an eye out, um, mm-hmm. William is being allowed to study again. So we're getting more time with the tutor, Mr. Harms. Yeah, so we get to know, we get to hear about what he's like as a tutor. As a tutor. Um, and he's actually pretty competent, it seems. Like, he actually feels like a teacher who's supposed to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, and here's where we get a physical description of him. Uh, he's a little freckled-faced man with a shock of red hair that sticks out of the side of his hat. He looks like he's been uh, pieced together from parts took from other folks. His teeth got a big gap in the middle, and his legs and arms seem a bit too long and too thin for the rest of his self. I can't guess his ears, but he's got young eyes and a uh, that look you... I, I don't know, whatever. Um, yeah, so <laughs> she she's like doesn't know what to make of this man, and I don't, you know, I I feel like I, is this a disguise? Is this just a weird looking man? Like I think he's just a weird looking dude. Okay. Um, right. One second. This is a side note. Hey, Danny, mm-hmm. you're gonna hear like cracking and like moving. It is me. It's shifting around in my chair, but I know that it's gonna sound like farts. It's not farts. It's just me <laughs> shifting around in my chair. Also, speaking of background noise, um, I forgot to unplug Artie's fountain, so there might be a, a slight tinkle of water in the background. And you know what, folks? You're just going to have to deal with it because right. I'm not getting up. This is real-life ASMR. These are yeah. Let the sounds of our homes. Welcome. Calming fountain uh, lull you into hopefully not peeing yourself. Let um, the volcanic sounds of me shifting in my chair lull you into (laughs) anyway um so we are getting an idea that uh mr harms is um kind of teaching the classics he's teaching about hercules in greece yeah he Um, actually does this really smart thing where like williams being a snotty kid and is like i don't want to read and mr arms is like well fine i will read to you which is a really great way to get people excited about literacy well because i like we don't need to dwell too much on what williams deal is like he is a a snotty kid but there's also a chance that of a very abusive household (laughs) 
And also, maybe he is dyslexic. Maybe he has a hard time reading. Like, we Some don't know. Some of us have ADHD, dang it. Yeah. And so, like, it is a thing where if you're just having trouble reading, you're just going to resent it. But then if someone starts reading it to you, then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is a cool story. And um, that's and exactly so, yeah, what and, happens. So, mm-hmm. page 80 to page 81 for my book. Um, last Monday in August, he's talking about reading about, or she is talking about Mr. Harms reading Hercules. And then September 6th, so, you know, not very far later, William has taken to Mr. Harms like a bird to berries. I declare the boys reading now and liking it. I'm learning a lot, too. I'm adding ing to my words now because Mr. Harms made William stop saying talking Mm. and walking and singing. Mm -hmm. It is talking, walking, singing. I remember to write my ings, though I still forget to say them. So as these stories are being read to William, Clodie is finding herself getting very involved. And she's starting to drop her guard um, as, you know, she doesn't seem to fear Mr. Harms as much as she fears Ms. Lily. And Mr. Harms has observed her as if she's a person rather than like, tables and chairs in a room like our well there's also an interesting thing um at the very when we're first kind of introduced to like their first interactions Uh where he seems really uncomfortable with her um uh the first time he has a lesson with william and she shows up to fan um he's like oh we don't need we don't need her to fan and and clody's like immediately kind of disappointed because if she doesn't get to fan him then she doesn't get to learn Mm -hmm. and luckily william is just so big whiny whiny baby (laughs) that they're they're like okay fine you can stay um and then uh later we get some interactions where um uh he doesn't really want to look at her and she's kind of weirded out by that (laughs) So I, I think there's more going on with with uh, Mr. I Harms. I think that's very astute. Um, I think he seems very uncomfortable. And he's coming from D.C., which is... Slaveholding at the time. Yeah, but maybe he doesn't come from a slaveholding family. Yes, we don't so know his doesn't. background yet. I have a feeling we're going to learn it. I have a feeling as well. <laughs> so... And I- um, <laughs> as she's standing over them fanning, this is Monday, September 12th, 1859. She's standing over them fanning, um, and William is being taught a new word, which is circumstances. And as he's trying to puzzle it out, sound it out, she starts to say, sir, I caught myself, but not soon enough. Mr. Harms jerked around and looked at me. His mouth dropped open a little. He was surprised. What did you say? Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sir is what I said. Sir. Sir. May I go, please? I was thinking Mm -hmm. fast. Lord, let me get out of this. So she's dropping uh, in her quest for knowledge. Mm -hmm. The true teacher in the room has figured out that she is on a quest for knowledge or is at least starting to piece it together. Um but he's cool about it. Mr. Harms might not be on to me. He hasn't said a thing. And I'm still fanning during lessons. I'll let up writing for a few days because I'm too scared to go near the hiding spot. What with mm-hmm. Missy slipping around. Missy is uh, one of the former field 
uh, humans who are yeah, enslaved. We haven't talked about um, Missy at all. Missy's Missy is mean as a cat. Missy is introduced um, at the very beginning as one of Clody's friends. Clody says, I have two friends, uh, Missy and Wook. And we, we've talked about Wook, how she gets married off kind of against, not kind of, literally against her will. Um, and Missy is very sweet on hints, and she objects to hints being stuck on spicy. And she just yeah. gets meaner and meaner from there. Missy is... She's even mean before Spicy shows up. She yeah. just, like, Clody says, well, she's kind of my friend, but she used to, like, like physically beat me up, like, as a kid. And now that she's older, she just beats me with words, yeah. uh, essentially, is what she says. So she's just, like, this bully that I don't, uh, I don't, it's just, I guess, the, the circumstances that makes you think that you're friends. But, yeah, she's clearly not a friend. Right. Um yeah, it's not great friend behavior, that. And then, yeah, she gets a crush on Hints, and she tries to get close to him, and then Spicy shows up, and Spicy and Hints go from, you know, having these spats to um, getting... They they dance together at um, kind of a gathering, and he we brings see, her flowers. Yes, there's all this cute little it things is. It's very between cute, very Spicy sweet. and Hints. Um, and Missy is mad. Missy does not like it. And so Missy comes to the big house um, with the new cook when Auntie is sent away. And so Missy, um, uh, Clody does not trust at all. And, and she thinks that she's going to try to get her in trouble. Well, and rightly um, so, because uh, in an entry on September 20th, uh, Missy says to me, all syrupy sweet, we've been friends a long time, but I don't know you. Ooh. Yeah. yeah She's that... trying to, like, ply Clody for information and mm-hmm. bring something to Ms. Lily. And the reason for that is because Ms. Lily knows that Clody has something over her head. Yeah. It's exactly what Auntie warned about. Mm-hmm. And so, really. Be on your guard, Clody, and she and she is. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, good. she's very wise. <laughs> she's a wise kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, ooh, there's some good stuff. Tell me um, the date, the twenty first. Yep, that's where I am. Go ahead. That's exactly where you're going. Okay, so we get some more mysteries with Mister Harms. Uh, I wish I could read Mister Harms as easy as I can read Missy and, and Eva May, which is the new cook. There's something about Mister Harms that sets me to wondering. He looks peculiar and he acts peculiar, so people don't pay close attention to him. I think that's on purpose. They, they don't see him all the time watching, taking in everything that's being said and done. But I do. Because game recognizes game, son. Game recognize game. Just a minute ago, I saw Mr. Harms standing at the edge of the orchard, looking toward the woods and beyond the river. Just looking. Made me nervous. My diary being just a few feet from where he was standing. Maybe I need to move it again. Auntie and I have not spoken about... Oh, she... Yeah, never mind. Um, she told Auntie that, you know, she can read... Right, she, was, get, she of course wrote terrified. Cat she writes cat like yeah. in the dirt. Um, and da, 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 she brings her the next entry. She brings her palette outside to sleep. The stars are so bright, I can almost hear them tinkling. But tonight, I hear Rufus singing his beautiful f- voice, riding on the night wind. Steal away, steal away, steal away, home. 
Uh, and I think, and Rufus is the one who has been preaching and who has been preaching these stories that have these kind of dual meanings. So I think Rufus. Every is song up to that something. they've listed so far, um, even the one that her mother would sing, um, or about Help Me Jesus, Help Me Jesus, Aunt T was singing after Uncle Heb died. Every single one of those songs historically was used to encourage slave rebellion. Um, uh, runaways, things like that. Um, and I just think that's so artfully put in this book. But right after that, um, she says, was that Mr. Harms I just seen heading for the quarters? I wonder who he'd be visiting this hour of the night. Oh, well, white men sometimes visit the quarters in the dark of night when their wives and mothers uh-huh. ain't watching. Uh-huh. There is just- so much in here. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I'm surprised because Mr. Harms doesn't appear to be that kind of man. Right. So so she's like, something's going on with him. And then so much is happening right now. Um, Because this book is wonderfully dense. We're coming up to the middle where I left off anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Ms. Lily leaves uh, to go visit her daughter, Clarissa, in Richmond. Um, And she'll be gone for several weeks. And these are always happy days for us who work in the big house. She usually takes William, um, and she promised to take me this year, but William flat wouldn't go, and blah, blah, blah. And so she takes Missy instead. Good. I'll rest from both of them. I'm staying with Spicy and Aunt T the whole time, even though Ava Mae promises to tell Miss Lily when she gets back. Um, so they, like, they kind of have the run of the house. Um, William is home, but he's, like, in his room and obviously can't go anywhere fast right um mr harms is asleep um and belmont is a big playhouse for everyone um oh because also master henley goes away sporting yes um and so they go into miss lily's bedrooms her and spicy and they we put on her jewelry and scarves and hats we sat at her desk where there's all kinds of pretty paper and pens and ink aplenty i took enough to last me a good while (laughs) yes steal from her (laughs) um and then we heard a noise outside in the yard at first i thought it might be one of the dogs or raccoon we quick like jumped out of the bed and ran to the window we seen rufus slipping from tree to tree then turned towards the quarters we figured he'd been out possum hunting but a little later i seen mr harms creeping out from the other side of the woods we watched as he stole from shadow to shadow until he reached the house and stepped inside we held our breath until we heard his footsteps pass the door and go down the hall to his room. We quietly cleaned up and put everything back in its place uh, and left Miss Lily's bedroom just the way we found it. What were Mr. Harms and Rufus doing out in the woods together so late at night? Mm-hmm. What indeed? I just think this is so artfully built. Mm-hmm. There are stakes. There's information that we're getting about the life and world that this exists in we're getting research this is so artfully done for a children's book um we really have sailed past the midway point so if you want to stop here um, let's go ahead and do that i think this is a good place it kind of leaves us on a little bit of a cliffhanger of like there's been all of these little things set up um wonderfully by the author we have all of these characters who really have some real flavor to them and uh, you know they're interesting they're interesting people and there's a lot of of stuff going on there's all these like hints at things being 
you know, laid and she's learning things. She's watching people and seeing, you know, what they're up to. And I, you know, I haven't read the rest of it. I have some ideas of where it's going. Um, but I, I think it's like it's it's building up to something exciting, I think. Yeah, I um, think this is so well done. I'm mm-hmm. truly glad we're reading this book. I'm excited to read the second half of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not I'm, just doing George so, Washington's laundry. I'm so glad to be excited about this book. Yeah, I, I'm I'm it's it's good. It's a good book, guys. Uh, yeah. This is going to be the last book we read for our first season, mm-hmm. which is exciting. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if we should, like, break up, just because these have been <laughs> sort of a up. slog in places, <laughs> not this one, um, but I'm wondering if it's time to pepper in a royal diary. Oh, we have, don't worry, we, oh, we have that there's a plan. Coming. Girl, why are you? Why are you? Trust the spreadsheet. Trust the spreadsheet. I made the list. I made the list. And probably I could look at the list, but you could look at the list. I can't. I think my cell phone's about to die. So okay. Well, we should wrap this up. We should. This Um, has been marvelous. Going long long enough. So we will be back uh, in a fortnight (laughs) with the second half of this book. Um, it's a great read uh, if y'all want to pick it up. Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure most libraries will have this in stock for you to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really all I have to say. Um, see you in the second half in two weeks. See you in the second half. Let us know what you guys are thinking online, and we will. you'll hear from us again in a fortnight. Keep reading. Um, keep reading. Hey, thanks for listening. We'd like to thank Erica Page for creating our amazing intro and outro music, Callie Charing for being the best research librarian we know, and the world's best editor, Danny Heck. Feel free to reach out to them with contact info in the description. Mm-hmm.